Hello, and welcome to Caffeinated Cats. This is a regular podcast featuring students, faculty, and staff exploring Chico State and life around the campus. Welcome to Caffeinated Cats. I am Zach Justice, Interim Director of Faculty Development. Mary Walmart, Student Life and Leadership. Tracy Butts, Chair of the English Department. Martin Morales, the guest host. Nice. All right. Awesome. So, team, let's take a drink of this delicacy. I suggest just go for it. Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, gosh. That one, man. Tasting notes. Bitter. Bitter. Overwhelming. Definitely bitter. See, I actually really, I would drink a cup of that. That's disgusting. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a uh, shot of espresso bought, brought to us by our good friends over at Common Grounds. Come caffeinate with us at Common Grounds. Oh. And it can be delicious if you add crazy things like, I don't know, steamed milk, sugar, lemon, anything really to cut the bitter acidity. But much like our topic, this isn't really something anybody wants. This is kind of what you get sometimes. <laughs> It's the, the most bare-bones minimum version of caffeine, right? You get caffeine, but it would be nice if it had sugar or cream or an extra meal or a roof over your head, yeah. etc. So in case you hadn't guessed, you're going to be disappointed if you tuned in today for a riveting discussion of sex and drugs on campus or something <laughs> really uh, interesting and, and super fun like that. Instead, today we are talking about... Um, food insecurity and housing insecurity among our student population. And it's a difficult topic. We're going to try and approach it with some levity today. But overall, this is this is probably one of the most difficult topics that I, I when I was doing the background research, it's hard to read about it even when you're reading about things just in statistical form. Yeah. And it's something people just are completely blind to it. I mean, yes. certainly I was until uh, someone told me about a program on campus and you know, it was jaw-dropping when I started to really look into it and see the numbers and see what some of our students are persevering through mm -hmm. to try to get an education. You know, an education which is for the betterment of everybody, but they're kind of, you know, uh, toiling alone to try to make that happen under some really difficult circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And surprisingly, you know, we hear more and more stories about students who are um, sleeping in their cars or right who, who are moving from, from place to place or who don't have enough food to eat and, and things of that nature right I mean it's becoming far too common an occurrence yeah um, yeah so Martin you have some first-hand experience with this as as part of the work that you do right right you might Can tell, you tell us, us about that yeah huh? <laughs> um I think it has to relate with just the background I've had growing up and like just recently and like going to college and and um, just all of it put together, food insecurity, housing insecurity. I've had help from the university numerous times when it came to both situations. What what year in school are you, Martin? I'm a sophomore. Sophomore, right? And where are you from? Originally, I'm from Apache Junction, Arizona. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I spent four years in Phoenix, so yeah. pretty familiar. And I grew okay. up in Tucson, actually. Yeah. yeah, but I graduated when I was in Compton High School. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And then how did you choose Chico? I heard about Chico at a college fair when I was in Compton, 
And so I applied because I thought it was really interesting about uh-huh. like the creek and the nature and everything put together. And where were you living in Compton? I was living with an aunt at the time. Mm-hmm. An aunt, so a, a relative, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so then you came up to Chico, and, and how was that transition? What'd you do? Well, I didn't really come up to Chico like a normal freshman. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up coming here during the summer. Mm-hmm. And the university gave me housing for the summer with the summer conference through university housing. And the reason for that is because I had a week after I graduated to find somewhere else to live. And at the time, I didn't have the like privilege or like opportunities or like money or anything of that sort to like help me with that process. So, so basically, you you would have been had you not been smart and connected to people and asked questions and gotten some resources, you would have been homeless in Chico at that point without no. without housing. I would have been in Compton at the time because oh, I, I, sure. I had gra- I had graduated from there. So okay. essentially, I would have been homeless in Compton. Yeah. So you made that connection, and that's that's such a powerful story. Even you know, just the little piece that you shared, and I mean, one of the things that compelled us to talk about this today is that variations on that story are increasingly common in our student population, and mm-hmm. we, as an institution, and as instructors, and as student service professionals, in so many ways, we haven't caught up to the the fact that this is this is much more common of the student population that's here and i increasingly i feel like it's a privilege to be able to make be in a position where we can try and make a positive impact on people's lives and a different group of people's lives than we had access to when when i was an undergraduate here but it's, it's an incredible responsibility that we have as an institution and one that we're not always up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my colleagues yesterday um, facilitated a conversation on diversity discussion. It was Ashley Wednesday. Um, Dr. Nathan Higgins Bryan on a class and, and how we are, you know, we function in some ways as a classless society. And one of the, the things about the universities, the university, universities in general are very middle class you know, institutions in terms of um, their values, in terms of of, of beliefs, in terms of how they function. And I think one of the assumptions that a lot of people have when they see college students is that everyone is at least middle class, that everyone has the means to be able to afford to be here, to pay for textbooks and things of that nature all at once, to have all the food that they need. We just assume that, right, you make it to college and everything's okay. And I think because we don't necessarily talk about issues of of class, um, that that we never really think about the fact that there are lots of people, right, on campus who are struggling with financial issues, trying to get things like their textbooks, trying to make sure that they have food and um, and a place to live, and, and then having to make some really difficult choices about the very limited financial means that they have. And some students are even in positions where they have to not just take care of themselves here, but they're also trying to help family members yeah. back at home. And I don't think we think about that, that not everyone's coming from a position where they're receiving a lot of parental help or they're in a position to just call someone and say, hey, I, I need a couple dollars. I I think that I think, you know, we also see on campus where people um, the level of denial is pretty deep. Right. Like people are like, oh, those kids, you know, they ran out of money at the end of the month. They must have partied it away. No, No. that's not really what's happening. Or 
Or you hear the stories of, oh, you know, so-and-so, they're just couch surfing through the semester. Well, that's like a super friendly way to say that they're homeless. And, and we do have students who, you know, try to spend a few weeks at one friend's couch mm. and then rotate that through. I've heard stories of, of people who, who have made a, a network of at least acquaintances so they can have a different couch each week. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not something, much like our drink this morning, that's not something you're necessarily, most people are choosing to do. That's something you're doing out of desperate necessity. And what if somebody says no? You know, you are right. completely yeah. beholden. You are not in charge of your own destiny in any in any form or fashion. Right. You're completely beholden to other people. And think about it. Most of us hate being in that position when we're yeah. in that position. Imagine living that way for bare yeah. necessities day to day. Yeah. The uh, the other day, my wife, who's a um, a part-time faculty member, was asking me because she had a student come to her and say, "Hey, I know this is an exam day, but I." Uh, I got offered extra hours at work and I really need the money. And I told her, I said, you know, it's crazy because five, 10 years ago, if somebody had asked me that, my response would have been, well, life's full of choices. That's yours to make. And now just like learning more about the student population and students like Martin and and students that are coming to us from all, all different backgrounds. When I hear something like that, I think to myself, that's about as serious and compelling reason as I could ever find, and I would be happy to reschedule an exam for you. You know, like mm-hmm. that's, I've, it's been education for me over the over these last couple of years to sort of get to know the student population. I've really had a, a sort of coming to Jesus moment about the situation that so many of our students find themselves in, and it's it's powerful, and it and it and we have to adjust how we are. So I want to. I switch out and uh, make sure that we make are covering the, the two major areas. So yeah. because we've talked, we started talking about housing. Let's let's continue that a little bit. Let's talk about the housing part, and then we'll transition to some of the food insecurity part because those are interrelated. But I want to make sure that we have time to get to both of them. I'll just start us off with with one piece, and that's a part of this as a as an issue or as a, as a point of crisis for our students and our community has to do with the demographics of the student population. But a large part of it has to do with the city of Chico. The vacancy rate in Chico in a, in a good period of time is under 2%. And during the semester, it's oftentimes under 1%. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just that people don't have means, it's that there are not enough beds, and specifically there are not enough affordable beds for people in Chico. Yeah, supply and demand, you know, because yeah. because uh, apartments and, and you know, uh, people who own homes can rent them at a rate that doesn't seem commensurate with, you know, where we are location-wise, yeah. yeah. but because of the college and because of the need, you know, I look at some of the rental rates for like some of the houses in the avenues and I'm going, I would never pay right. that. But, you know, I look and those are students living in there and they're sharing a room and rent, right. you know, everybody's got their own room, sharing a room, all that. And they're paying those rates because they're paying to be near campus. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting. Because maybe they don't have a car. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, totally. So Martin, what are, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, I was, no, I was probably going to do what you were going to do. I was going to say, now, now I think I recall a conversation, Martin, uh, where you were saying you were, are you moving in an apartment this uh, year? Yeah, I am. Okay, how's that process been for you? Um, At first it was kind of stressful. Okay. Because I, I, so I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. 
last spring when I had finished my freshman or my freshman year, I had no money left over. Like I, I didn't budget well, and I didn't really think about it. Like move, the process of moving off campus and how expensive it was. Mm-hmm. First, you need a security deposit. Second, you need a co-signer, and then you need to make sure that you have the first month of rents ready. But if you don't have a job and you don't have a place for summer, like yeah. how did you, how does that work? Right. So this semester, or I guess this year, I made a plan to change that. Now I'm working as a desk attendant at Biff University Housing. So I have the money covered for security deposit and first month of rent. And um, the next step was to find a place. And to find a place, you need to also, most places require a cosigner of some kind. And I had spoken with someone who helps with that, Dan Herbert. Mm-hmm. And he's, I guess, our off-campus director. And I had reached out to him and he had a, reached out to the people who like oversees the place I'm going to be staying at. And uh, I had spoken to them and reached, like I shared my background and like explained to them like why I would need the co-signer uh, waived. Okay. And I got the requirement waived. So now I'm just waiting to like just move in. Okay. And that starts on the 1st of okay. August. Oh, wow. all right. So, so will you, are you in uh, University Village now? Where you live? I'm still in University okay. Village. All right, so will you be able to stay in University Village until August 1? Um, no, so school gets out on the 19th. Okay. And I am, I was currently, I, I got a message from a friend of mine who works as the camp director, and he wanted me to apply for a position okay. as a summer counselor. Okay. So assuming I get the position, I'm still waiting for the email All to right. get confirmation. Okay, well, but, good luck. Yeah, so that covers food and housing and up until the first of August. Okay. So now are you moving in with other roommates or by yourself or what are you doing for your apartment? I'm gonna be moving in with other roommates. Nice. And have you guys had that discussion about, okay, who's got a couch, who's got plates, all that kind of, because yeah. you know, coming out of on-campus housing, nobody has any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had that conversation. Right okay. on. Because that's, that's all part of it. You know, again, people just, this is that sort of thing that people assume they assume everybody's middle class. Mm-hmm. They assume that they have some support at home. They assume that, oh, well, you know, you're 18, 19 years old. You've probably done this before. You haven't done this before. Our yeah. students are in that weird, what is it, liminal pressure place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything is a transition. Everything is for the first time. And if you haven't even seen it, right, if you haven't even been in a situation where you knew about deposits and stuff how would you know to save for that it's not like you're rolling in cash here and just you know oh gee should i save some or not you're probably just making it as it is and the idea that now you've got to save for that you know i can see where that come as a surprise to a lot of students yeah and even assuming that you have family members who can co-sign right right um because right sometimes your family's struggling just to keep things afloat and a couple of years ago you know when we had the housing market uh crisis right people who had normally been very comfortable very comfortably middle class were even having right some issues financially and parents weren't in a position to co-sign for people because they were trying to keep their own homes and things of that nature so i don't know you know a number of years ago back when i had a, a different job on campus um i had this dream of of having like this this big um room where students would go in and they could get everything from like food to um you know health 
essential hygiene, and hygiene things, things. Yeah. and even right word. we have and, and the thing is we have so much stuff like household goods and things that we could just go and students just show up grab a bag and take it you know and at the time um there, there was a lot of resistance to that because it's like we don't have anywhere to put it you know everything comes down to space we don't have any space and <laughs> what if someone steals it and i'm like well if someone steals it maybe they need it i love that but, argument yeah. what if someone steals the things that, that obviously right. they need it exactly oh my god then it's like yeah. then maybe right but right you know and so recently we had the um i guess the the, the clothing fair exchange for oh, yeah. people who were going on you know i think one of the things the next thing needs to be like a household item thing yeah because um, I have lots of stuff that, you know, you buy and you're like, I don't even use this. I don't need this anymore. Oh, yeah. right? Well, this is what I love. You know, at the end of the year, they'll do diversion excursion where the students moving out of housing will dump an unbelievable amount of really usable stuff. And the real challenge is, I mean, they will dump households full of right. stuff. The challenge is where do we put it until kids move back in August? Yeah. And, I, you know, what? It's great that we now have that director of community relations or whatever Dan is, and and we just got that position a couple of years ago, right. and it's mm -hmm. just half time, right? Uh, but but Dan, you know, is a community member. He's a formal former council member. He's worked in the housing industry locally, so he's really connected. So he's the perfect person. But we haven't even had that that long. But I can see the time coming where you know we approach uh, uh, somebody who owns a mini storage and they donate. The space, cool. right? That that's you know that's the kind of relationship we need to have town and gown to make this thing happen. When, on campus, we're locked in our own footprint. We're never going to find that kind of space, but we need the partnerships out there. Yeah. So I'm going to say one soapboxy thing, and then we'll transition to the food piece. <laughs> and that's that. At the thing that always bothers me the most about the housing and security piece is that the especially in the local community that's, that's sometimes connected to the university but maybe not formally a part of the university. I have lots of real liberal friends that complain about the lack of affordable housing in Chico, but they're also the people that then show up at city council meetings to oppose any development project. And um, it, I'll tell you what, if you're out there, you need to figure that out because the multi-unit housing that comes from somewhere and it comes from somebody getting a building permit and then building it and maybe you think that's too close to your house or maybe you think that's too close to where your kid goes to school or you don't like the idea of that in your neighborhood you need to pick you need to either say we don't care enough about students and low-income people to um to make affordable housing for them or I or or decide you you know you only want people to look and act like you to be able to live in the town. Oh, oh my gosh, not those apartment dwellers. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't you know. You just show up to the council meeting and say I hate the poor. <laughs> Next, yeah, <laughs> great, I mean, yeah, thanks. You know, I just because you're acting like it. You can't be like. No. I like them just not living that store. To yeah, me. they're beautiful across town. Right. right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, no. Th th there's a lot of uh, uh, hypocrisy, right? Yes. In, in 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 some of our actions and things, or just uh, an incredible blindness. Right. Um, I, right? See, I like to think that people don't see it. They don't understand, and they don't know. And and I've been there. I mean, there's lots of stuff that I thought 
Like, well, why would they do that? And then I'm like, oh, because you're, you know, a foster kid and you're not even connected to a family. Okay, that's why you didn't know how to use a checkbook. Um, you know, so these grand assumptions, right? We're all viewing through these lenses. And I think our, our community members are too. We're much more in touch with, with students than they have the opportunity to be. But boy, we need to get those stories out there and we need yeah. to make those connections. Yeah. And so that's, that's just a great opportunity. So let's transition to a little bit of the food insecurity part. And Martin, I'd like to start with just a question for you. And that's, so for the, for the students that you're around and for your peers, where, where do they eat? How do, how do they get food? Um, well, that's a tough question. I know I've met numerous students. Some students use Sutter when they're living on you know, campus. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed that some students, like, who live in University of Village, for example, like, they run out of swipes really early because they didn't know they had a certain number of swipes. And so, like, after that, it's like they kind of have to depend on themselves to, like, feed themselves. Or I know friends of mine who live off campus and, like, you know, sometimes they choose between paying rent or, like, getting food. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you choose? Like, right. obviously you need a place, so, like, right. you're going to go to rent yeah. first. And so, like, yeah. food is just, like, a second thing. So, like, there's different topics and, like, how to, they approach that. But um, I think one of the wonderful things about our campus is that we're always, like, really resourceful and, like, really care about helping our students. So we have the Wildcat Food Pantry, and then we have people who work coincide with them and to, like, help students get CalFresh. So food stamps essentially helps students get food when they can't afford food from themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I had a student last semester who had shared, had some other things going on and shared that um, they were experiencing some, some hunger issues, that, that they didn't have a lot of food. And so I said, well, you know, we have the, the Wildcat, um, the Hungry Wildcat Pantry. You want to go over? He was like, oh, no, 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 like, I'm not, I'm not poor. And I was like, that's, like, you don't have to be poor. Like, come on and, and let me at least show you. So I walked him over after class and, um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's there, they give you a little bag and everything. And then there's an, a person that's sitting at the desk who can help you fill out the Cal Fresh application. Yeah. And I was like, would you like to, to fill out that? Oh, no, 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 no. And, and then, you know, we're standing there and the student is just standing in front of the, the shelves, just looking like, I don't really want to take anything. And, 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 and so I was like, well, let me get you started. <laughs> you know, I was like, so do you like peanut butter? Mm-hmm. You know, do you do like you this? And, like, you know, and I'm just throwing stuff in the bag. And I was like, so what about some vegetables? Do you need some? Right. And so eventually, you know, the student gets a, a bag of, of, of things. Right. But what was so interesting was that there was so much shame around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This idea of taking, you know, some food, something that you need. And I mean, and, and, and that is owing to the way in which we vilify the poor, right? That, that mm-hmm. we make it a shameful thing for people to be experiencing hard times to need some kind of help, right? And it's just like, but no, like, I'm not poor. And I'm like, this isn't about your being poor, yeah. yeah, right? This is about your needing some food, there being some food here, let's get you some. Let's get the two together. Yeah. Right? People are always, well, people are always so suspicious, right? And if there's, like, somebody asked me, uh, the first time I told them about the Wildcat uh, Pantry, they said, well, how do you, how do you know kids really need it? And I'm like, uh, 
because they tell us? Is that not good enough for you? Right? And there's always this belief that someone is taking advantage of that. And this is this is the middle class and the poor keeping the middle class and the poor down, right? right? Because we're like, well, why do you deserve that? Right? I think they're taking advantage of it. People assume it's that same thing. Like, oh, they assume they blew all their money. They didn't blow all their money. They just don't have enough. They're, they're making the decision yeah. that Martin talked, you know, am I going to pay my rent this month or am I, am I going to buy that box of mac and cheese? Yeah, right? a party. Woo, yeah. that's really a fun decision, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, the Chancellor's Office commissioned this study and they, they did a pilot study and, and we're there in the process of compiling all the information about food insecurity and housing insecurity system-wide for all the for all the CSUs. And some of the numbers that came out were really startling. But the one that I was really stuck on is the disconnect between how many students um, deal with food insecurity and then the perception of how many students deal with insecurity from university employees. And that's not unique to Chico, that's, that's system-wide. But there's a big gap there in between our sort of you know, being proactive, like Tracy talked about, taking somebody's hand, saying, "Hey, let's let's we we got a solution yeah. to get this solved for you for the week." Um, there's a hu- huge difference between that and then just the assumption that is widespread among faculty and staff on campus that ev- everybody has enough. Yeah, and yeah, that that's just a crazy assumption because, right? If we look too at campus, we have staff members. Yes. who are experiencing oh, issues yeah. of, of food insecurity. We have part-time faculty yeah. who are experiencing, we have we have tenure, tenure track people who are experiencing issues of, of food insecurity. Like it, it, there's nothing that, that, that can, that protects you from perhaps, right. right? Having a rough patch in your life or a series of rough patches in your life or your whole life yeah. being a rough patch. There's nothing that protects you from those things. And especially when you consider some of the reports that have come out nationwide about the number of, let's say, adjunct faculty who also receive like uh, food stamp benefits. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and things of, of that nature. Um, it, it's, it's still crazy that we still labor under this assumption that this is about people making bad choices or, you know, just going crazy right. with their money. Yeah, it, that's ridiculous. You know, it, that, that, that saying that, you know, everybody in the middle class is one health crisis away from bankruptcy, right? Yeah. right? So one little thing can sort of tip this delicate balance. But, you know, back to that thing about, you know, we're making people feel guilty and shaming them and like, oh, well, do they really need it or should they have just made better choices and all that kind of thing? Uh, you know, the other thing is people are like, well, then, you know, we're, we're kind of coddling them, we're entitling them, right? And my answer is very clear back to that. We are absolutely not. What we're creating is a society that recognizes need, is willing to give to it, and we're actually creating an army of people who will be the ones to go and give back, yeah. right? right? Because they will have, have experienced that. I'm going to say a soapboxy thing aimed at my conservative friends <laughs> now. Get them and, all today. And that's the, <laughs> all you know, both of them that listen to this. There's a lot of blowback around the, the guilt thing and the, oh, does this person really need, have need for this? And should the university be engaged in, you know, housing and food and stuff like that? And I don't think, like, so there's an ethical imperative to make sure that people have food and shelter, right? That should be intrinsic to modern society. But even if you don't believe that, Making sure that somebody has 
food and shelter and if then that makes them helps them get progress towards a degree that means that that person has a much higher likelihood of making a much stronger contribution to, to the society right. that we're all a part of that means that 10 years from now that person is the person paying into tax rolls not on food assistance right oh, it's look it, at you with your return on investment it's, talking it, I to mean, those bankers i mean I like it's it. it's <laughs> like in the i don't want to dismiss the ethical part because that's the part that gets me choked up and gets me motivated but like if all you care about is the bottom line it's the best investment that you can make yeah yeah so um, I have a little bit of a deviation from our normal closeout here, and I'm hoping to end on a little bit of a positive note for all of us. And so rather than just an impossible question for Martin, I'm going to have a difficult question for all of us that will be our closing thought. What? And this is not in my contract. Exactly. <laughs> that all of us are going to, um, that I want all of us to chime in on is I want everybody to give a concrete recommendation for what we can do to help address the problems that we've identified and discussed today? I would say potentially maybe like, maybe increase the pay wages of students and faculty and staff. I know, for example, like one of my tutors, she has two jobs. She works on campus and she has a, a, a job off campus. I know another individual who has two jobs on campus but since she's working on campus, she's not allowed to go over 20 hours. And so if you're a struggling student and, I don't know, getting a few extra hours can help make that difference, why do you prevent them from doing that? Here, here, I, I want to eliminate the 20 hours. I, I want students to be able to choose. Yeah. If they need the money, I want them to be able to work and get it. Yeah. Great answer. Um, I may have started this yesterday. Apparently, I'm in the Psychic Friends Network because I met with Stephen Loya at the Student Philanthropy Council, and we're going to connect Student Philanthropy Council to the Wildcat Can Food Drive as part okay. of Wildcat Welcome at, because of that same thing that you know we want new students to know that they can be philanthropic internally, not just externally with CAVE, which is awesome, but that we have need and opportunities right here on campus. So we just got that ball rolling yesterday. I forgot. My nerves <laughs> started talking. Wow. I did. Can I fill one in for you? Yes, there, there you go. go Everybody should do and be as proactive with the individual students as what Tracy talked about earlier. And that means, you know, not just saying, hey, there's a food pantry on campus, but if you know that a student is in need, you walk them over there. Make it personal. Yeah. yeah smart. It's not shame. It's, Agreed. It's, we're doing this together. You tell them the story about the time when you needed help like that mm -hmm. or a former student that did and how important it is, and you help to lift that. So, And the one for me is I will, one of the things I looked at before I came is um, so of our students that are eligible for CalFresh, 20% of them are signed up. Okay. Mm. So um, there's work to be done there and just connecting the students that are eligible for those resources when it comes to food to food. Mm. So there's work to be done in terms of education in the classroom and student services, student to student all the way around. So I, I think I 
I have two, but, but, one, but one isn't concrete. But I just think that, you know, as a university who, um, we've had students who have participated in things like Blitz Build. Um, we have, you know, a really great engineering program and, and, and other resources on campus. It would be nice to see us be able to do something like some tiny houses, um, you know, to, to have a kind of tiny house community for, for, for wildcats who are experiencing, you know, um, temporary housing insecurity or something right. like that. Now, we have a tiny house club that can build it, too. Right. Seriously. And, and the thing is, I don't is know where we put it. Is this going to be close to where I currently live? Because if so, where you put it in the land thing becomes an issue, right? But it would be a great way of getting students involved using their getting you know mm -hmm. professional practical skills right they're building the houses right they're, they're designing the layout and, and 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 all of that stuff and you know and you can have people in you know recreation and management or whatever who you know are sort of doing some of the you know managing yeah. or whatever work yeah. I mean but it would be a, a good way for students to gain some practical experience and, and maybe students who are working on intake and, and all that other kind of stuff um, but I think too, like again, I think there's an education that, that has to take place, right? That, that is not just enough to say, you know, to your colleagues, like, listen to these stories, right? I mean, I think we really have to do some really considered work around um, educating people about the kinds of assumptions that they hold about mm -hmm. our students, about the kinds of struggles that, you know, people encounter, and particularly about issues of class in this country, but particularly in, in a university setting. Um, and more on campus housing. And, and more on yeah. campus Build housing. It. Build it now. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, join us two weeks from now for a uh, special guest, Kale Hutchinson. Ooh. We'll see All you right. there. Woo, woo, woo. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caffeinated Cats. Don't forget to subscribe and like us on Facebook. I want to thank Stephen Houston and Malcolm Ashton for their production of Caffeinated Cats. Caffeinated Cats is covered by a Creative Commons non-commercial license and is not representative of the views of Chico State Administration or anyone other than the hosts and guests of Caffeinated Cats. See you next time for another exploration of Chico State and life around the Chico campus.